Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle, snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play, they get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're looking at the top five plays of the 2021 season from rookie Javon Holland, plus the roster preview series of the Senior Bowl rolls on. We have the defense to get to still. We'll take a look at the entire defensive line and linebackers on this podcast. Tons more talent, tons more coverage here on the Drive Time Podcast from somewhere in South Florida. This is, you just heard it, the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. I had to make this late addition to the podcast because I just experienced it before recording on this Thursday morning and I'm dying laughing. So I take my daughter to school, daycare every single day, same route there, same route back as I do every single day. And I always drive back through Silver Lakes in the Pines Miramar area. Some of you that are down here probably know what I'm talking about because it's just the most beautiful little neighborhood and it makes me happy. <laughs> I like I like the scenery. So today, someone tried to take that little bit of joy that that commute presents away from me. Parents know this, right? Like that drive after the drop-off on the way to work can sometimes be the best part of the day or at least the most peaceful part of the day. So it's right up 178th in Silver Lakes. I'm in the right lane approaching a turn right into a neighborhood. One car pulls out and nearly cuts me off, but it's okay. I just tap my brakes. Not a big deal. But however, the car behind him, behind that car, a lifted pickup truck with 85 different wheels and 74 different lights off the top and every single modification you can imagine, running boards, the whole deal. You know, that guy. He, California, stops the stop sign and just blatantly cuts me off to the point of tires screeching. Now, nothing makes me more angry than aggressive, careless drivers because we're all driving basically large coffins for ourselves. And I joke with my wife all the time that I am an A-rated driver. I've never had an at-fault accident. I pay very close attention. I'm in tune with all the unwritten rules of the road, like passing in the left lane. I use my signal and I anticipate, biggest of all, other people's inability to drive, which is rampant, especially down here. So I give this guy a beep and I think he earned it in this instance, but he didn't agree. So he falls back gets up on the trunk of my car as much as he possibly can and lays on the horn, I'm assuming in reaction to my beep. And we come to a stop to make a left on Miramar Parkway, still on the horn at an intersection with a bunch of other cars who I'm sure are wondering what in the hell is going on back there. And at this point, I'm just laughing. I, this would have gotten me fired up a few years ago, but I think you know having a kid and certain things in your life coming together makes you kind of laugh at the idiocracy out there. And clearly this is not about the beep for him. And based on the vehicle, it's something that I think is irritating our friend every minute of every day. But I digress. Funny, right? But it's not over. Not even close. We make a left and he steps on the gas and takes off. Not out of the norm for South Florida. Everybody here speeds. But there's a lot of stoplights. So he has to stop there and I come up on him. Nothing happens. But he burns out off the line. Hits at least 80 before we come to another stoplight. And this time I pull up next to him and I see the company that he works for is on the side of the truck. Oh, 
<laughs> with the phone number. What are you doing, dude? So I took a picture and he must have saw this. So he rolls his window down and is immediately MFing me, calling me every name in the book he can think of. Remember, I just honked my horn because he cut me off and made me slam on my brakes. If my daughter was in the car, might have been a little more hot, but she wasn't. I wanted to ask him how the lizard brain operates to let him know that he was for sure in the right there and I was the bad guy, but he wasn't going to let me get a word in, so I just rolled the window up. My place are Washington, by the way. I haven't changed to Florida place. So he rolls up his Bass Pro Shops hat and goes right back into his truck. Yes, he was wearing a Bass Pro Shops hat. Well, let's just see if he's really dense enough to do all of this with an actual company phone number on the side of the truck. So I dial up Reynolds Plumbing in Broward. Someone answers on the first ring. It's him. And he just starts cussing me out. He tells me go, to go back to Washington. And I just basically said, oh, I was looking to have a job done, but I must have the wrong number. And he finishes off by telling me, hey, go back to Washington, and it hangs up the phone. But you ready for the punchline? Go back to Washington, he says, from his Kalamazoo, Michigan phone number. (laughs) Just proof that other humans are living in a different simulation than we are. Wild, but yeah, not sure if Reynolds Plumbing is the way to go for your plumbing needs. Welcome in to this podcast. That was where I wanted to start the show off. Before we do get started, I wanted to promote my friends on the fish tank and let you know that it finally happened. I finally dove in. The entire thing had me kind of taking inventory and gathering some perspective on life, on professional pursuits. And I just wanted to thank all the loyal listeners out there that have been rocking with me since day one and the new listeners too, like the AT&T commercial, right? Like, uh... Best deal for all customers, existing or new. Love all you guys the same. All the support just means the world to me. And I just, I don't know, like the 150th time I've been overwhelmed with gratitude since taking this job back in 2020, right before COVID changed our lives seemingly forever. But I'm so grateful. That episode on the fish tank will be out next Tuesday. Don't miss it. And I'll be in Mobile, Alabama on that Tuesday. And that's where we pick up today's podcast, continuing our preview of the real first portion of draft season, getting you familiar with the rosters. And then next week, we'll have even more tangible content for y'all as well. Let's go ahead and get right into that and the Senior Bowl defensive line prospects. And we start here with the national team, Jets and Lions, the head or the coaching staff, I should say, down in Mobile. We start with Logan Hall from the national squad from Houston. We always talk about different types of defensive linemen, you know, breaking them down into interior defensive line, edge, off-ball, backer. Then in those subsets, there are more subsets. Hall is an edge who largely played the five technique and then condensed inside, opposed to like an Andrew Van Ginkle type who plays off the edge and gets outside and plays more off-ball linebacker. He's a big end. He's rocked up, 275 pounds, six foot six, high motor guy. There's so many high motor guys in this year's game and, and really every game that it makes the practices so spirited. I can't freaking wait to get out there and watch these. Dominique Robinson from Miami of Ohio. The Red Hawks are going to be well represented in Mobile. I think the best way to describe what Robinson's working with at six foot four, 250, is that he's a former receiver converted to defensive end. And he comes equipped with, you guessed it, athletic ability, length, speed toolsy player. I'm curious to see how he does this week. And all the smaller school guys, I cannot wait to see how they compete with the Blue Blood program players. Boye Mafe from Minnesota might be one of my favorite players in the entire week here at Mobile. You want to talk athlete, there might not be a better one in the entire class. Six foot four, 265, and he's going to test very, very well. 
member of the Feldman Freak List, the Bruce Feldman Freak List every single summer that he writes, taking a look at the most toolsy players in college football. He was clocked at a 4-5-7-40, 1-5-8-10-yard split, and a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical jump again at 265 pounds. His get-off is quick. He accelerates from there. He can dip, bend, lateral agility in the toolbox there as well. Highly, highly intriguing prospect. And you might say, Travis, it sounds like this guy's going to go in the top five picks of the draft. Why are you even talking about him? We're talking about all the players here at the Senior Bowl. But I think when you look at his game, there is some timing and feel that needs to kind of Things that come with seasoning that can really help him realize all those traits and harness them at the next level. But this is a high, high upside player from the Go Go Sky Yuma Row the Boat PJ Fleck program. My Jay Sanders from Cincinnati. I love his game as well. You want to talk about an electric pass rusher, length, effective hand usage to create advantageous leverage situations. That pairs quite well with the first step slash get off. He's got proven pass rush production in big time games for the Bearcats in a variety of positions ranging all the way from the nine technique way out wide, the cam wake position all the way in to a four eye playing inside the offensive tackle. Travis Jones from UConn, from outside rush to inside, super productive player from a position where it's hard to tally statistics, but he does it, and he does it with power. The punch, lower body explosion, shows you a real penchant for two-gap prowess. That's what a lot of the guys here do well, where he can control the rep, read the flow, get off the block. A fun player who I think has a chance to really up his value through the process, and the draft starts in Mobile, baby. Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. You know, he was playing a true one-gap upfield, hair-on-fire penetration style at the Buckeyes. He wants to get upfield to beat blocking angles and slide protections around the pa- in the passing game to get those guys off their mark, and he does a good job of both of those two things. We stay with the Buckeyes for Tyreek Smith, his teammate on the outside, Garrett's outside, and both of these guys... Surprise, surprise, they have motors that run hot, especially Smith, who plays in a variety of ways. Rush, run game, even peeling into coverage. He's got a ton of tools, including a knack for cornering, active hands to create those grip, rip, and dip routes to the quarterback. It's a tough rotation to crack there at Ohio State, and the more Smith played, the more productive he was. Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma. This guy can play some ball, too. 294 pounds. Remember how we talked about backdooring plays and knowing the scheme well enough to take chances at the right time that paired with some really nice first step quickness allowed Winfrey to make a bunch of plays for the Sooners plays all over the formation and was really the straw that stirred the drink there in Norman Oklahoma Isaiah Thomas also in Oklahoma this guy plays this is kind of inherent of their defensive line but a zero through nine technique type like he can play anywhere it's common there guys that play all over the line penetrate two gap work down the line against zone anchor against power they want you to be versatile and at 270 pounds six foot four man the versatility of these players these days it just gets more impressive every single year how about Arnold Ebikiti from Penn State University? He could go down as one of the longest arm players in this entire draft class with, you know, what is it with Penn State with having all these ridiculous builds off the edge every single year? It's crazy. Speed to power move is his bread and butter. He can condense inside and wedge open those lanes like a can opener as the pick man on stunts and use the combination of length, power, and get off 
to force your pass pro into some very urgent decision making. On the American side, Fedarian Mathis from Bama. They make them big down there, man. Six foot four, 312 pounds, long arms. Preliminary measurements have him around 34 and a half inch arms. Redshirt senior, played a ton of football and it shows. He's got a nice refined arsenal of moves to both rush the quarterback and thwart blocks in the running game. And he's a very good athlete at that size. John Ridgway II from Arkansas, potentially the most powerful player here. Six foot six, 320 pounds, played a true nose slash one technique for the Razorbacks to provide the tree stump for backers to scrape off of his work and make plays. And he has some juice as a rusher too, man. Speaking of juice as a rusher, Zachary Carter from Florida, six foot five, 285 pounds, former basketball player, five-star recruit. Craziest thing about him is that his true position is off the edge at 285, but he can kick inside and play the B gaps with that size, plays low, good twitch, and good feet. Surprise, surprise, from a basketball player. Jermaine Johnson II from Florida State will be at the game as well. He's been a very productive player in his career there with the Seminoles. Another one of these big guys up front that can control gaps and kind of have the eye discipline to play his way into run defense. Devontae Wyatt from UGA, the Georgia Bulldogs. Somehow, it seems like he played in the shadow of Jordan Davis, both literally and figuratively, but he literally did everything he could in that postseason run to break free and make it clear that he was just as dominant as Jordan Davis. He's smart, he's aggressive, he's versatile, he's tough. I love this player. True breakout season, excellent athletic ability, quickness. I'd feel good about playing him at any position from the nose out to the five, play after play all year long for Devontae Wyatt. Josh Paschal from Kentucky. They sure seem to make edges bigger and bigger, and he's not necessarily confined to just a condensed inside rusher on passing downs roll and a big end on early downs roll. At 278, he's built to play in multiple fronts because of the size, athletic combination, all those things. Power, heavy-handed type off the edge. If the defensive staff and, and scheme remains the same, this kind of guy fit the previous prototype. We'll see how that goes going forward. But in these multiple front defenses, that's kind of what you want at that end position. Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU played the nose in Death Valley at six foot four, three twenty. True space eater. He's a zero slash one technique. Not a lot of flexibility there. Pretty light on his feet at that size. I love his spin move as a rusher. He'll throw it out there pretty often. Kingsley Anagbre from South Carolina. He's a length, strength, grip type of player with enough burst to threaten the edge, then win with power and heavy hands. Michael Clemens from AM, six foot five, two seventy. I remember a time when these guys were rare. Now, everyone in the damn game is six foot five, two seventy. Clemens really holds the point against the run, and he wins with position slash or wins the position slash leverage battle early and maintains that position with a quick burst off the line and that grip strength. D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, big week for the former Hilltopper, super productive, eight sacks, 16 and a half tackles for loss. I haven't seen him play, but I always want to know how the highly productive guys do when they take a jump up in competition this week at the Senior Bowl. That's a good time right there for our first break. We're going to come back and break down the top five plays this season from a Dolphins rookie, safety, Javon Holland. All right, we're back here on the Drive Time Podcast. Travis Winkle with you guys here. And I want to go ahead and jump right into our top five series, breaking down the top five plays from some of your Miami Dolphins this past season. And we pick it up with the second round draft pick, number 36 overall. What a rookie season he had. He made the Pro Football Writers of America all-rookie team, Javon Holland. And play number five for his top five plays, there was a lot to choose from. We go back to the season opener as he jars the ball loose in his NFL debut. Him to put a lot of pressure on the QB. Third and 14 has his head on the turf. They throw over him and they get Johnny Smith. Who gets, oh, head over heels and a fumble recovered by Andrews. To the nine. Well, that was a wicked hit. 
Well, Byron Jones the one to come up and make that hit. He's not afraid. A lot of corners don't necessarily. Oh, that isn't Jones. That's Holland coming in there and making that tackle. The rookie out of Oregon gets low as Johnu Smith tries to hurdle him. That ball comes loose on the hurdle. Excellent job by Andrews to recover it to allow this field goal attempt. Excellent so, job by Holland to put the hit on the runner there on third and 14 with 11.04 to play in the second. A 7-0 Dolphins leave. Mac lead. Mac Jones dumps a screen to Jonu Smith and Javon's in a too-high look with Jason McCourty, the other safety, and a bunch of good blocks at that first and second level. Looked like it was well set up. But here comes the snowman up from that deep safety position, and he arrives full speed and goes low. Smith tries to go high, but the hit is perfect, and it sends Smith flipping head over heels. Ball pops out. New England gets it back. But what a hit by the rookie. When you combine that with number four and the range on display by the rookie, that's a deadly combination. Carlos Hyde is in the backfield. Second down, 15. They come off the side. Agba. And there goes the crafty Lawrence who throws downfield and it's Chenault in the sights and broken up and a nice play by Ig Benogany who is the number one pick out of Auburn last year and active most of the season on the defense. Abba comes in untouched and Lawrence gets, does a nice spin out to get to the outside. Chenault should come up with this ball but Ig Benogany as you said well, comes up Holland, and hits him. Excuse me, oh, I made, yeah, it was Holland who came through and made the hit. The rookie out of Oregon. Knocked it loose. Yes, he did. He did knock it loose, and it was Javon Holland. So eventually we got there. Second and 15 in a 13-3 game with 2.28 to play in the first half. Again, Dolphins in a too-high look. Javon is to the field side of the formation, the wide side, and pressure arrives on Lawrence from an unblocked edge instantly, Emmanuel Ogba, and he wheels out to the boundary, the short side of the field, the opposite side of the field as number eight. And Javon showed pre-snap that he would step down as the robber. Then he and Brandon Jones flipped at the snap where Jones gets into the high post and, or rather, Holland gets into the high post and Jones comes down as the robber. And then from the high post, you see Lawrence roll out and Javon comes all the way from the far hash to the field, to the numbers, to the boundary. That's like three quarters. No, nah, it's like half the football field. Gets the arm around in front of Chanel and pokes it away. It was a pass breakup, not a drop pass, so a sensational play. We go from the range back to the physicality as Javon sets the tone against the Baltimore Ravens in week number 10. Good watching him. Here's DuVernay getting it on a handoff. He's got a first down plus and then gets smacked by Javon Holland after a carry of 19 yards. Baltimore gives you a lot of different looks. You see Devin, du Devin DuVernay coming across on the jet sweep motion. He's got a lead blocker out in front of him. And Greg Roman, this offensive coordinator, it is a challenge. Big hit there at the end of that play by the rookie, Javon Holland. It was a massive hit on the second play of the game. And it's a 19-yard pickup for the Ravens. But it doesn't mean you can't get perfect technique and perfect strike as a tackler as Holland comes from depth, like 25 yards of depth. And DuVernay, who clocked a 40 in the 4-2 range, thinks, I'm going to take this thing right up the sideline for six, maybe. Then Holland comes over from the hash mark with a perfect angle, drops the shoulder, and sends him a few yards out of bounds all the way back to Davey. The number of big, aggressive, totally in control hits this guy made this season, that is why he was a pro football Riders of America all-rookie first-team member. Number two, we saved the picks for last. Made two picks in the season. First one goes first. Taylor, pressure coming. Threw it early. Intercepted! 
It was floating, and Javon Holland, the rookie, floated over to pick it off. Well, we're just talking about no mistakes when he has gone against the Dolphins in the career of Tyrod Taylor. Brandon Jones put the pressure on, and Holland came away with the Dolphins' takeaway. You heard it there. Brandon Jones with the pressure, Javon Holland with the takeaway. That was a nice theme for Dolphins fans all year long, and it started off here in a scoreless game against the Houston Texans, who were threatening with just 10.47 to go, or I should say only 4 minutes and 13 seconds off the clock in the first quarter. Third and, 11, or third and one, rather, from the plus 16-yard line. All speed and ball skills here. The rush gets to Taylor immediately from Brandon Jones, and that ball is out right away. And when the ball leaves his hand going for the back pylon in the end zone, Javon is split between the hash marks right in the middle of the football field. Now, he's on a full sprint because he anticipated the quick throw with the pressure look and the unblocked rusher off the edge. He's already on his horse when the ball goes up. Nick Needham is underneath the route, so the ball goes a little bit long and high, and Javon runs right through it keeps the feet down, and gets the ball right back to the offense, just like he did on our number one play from Javon Holland this season. A few weeks later, does it again, shows the range and the ball skills for another interception. Extra pressure is picked up. Cam Newton has a moment, but he's intercepted. It's Javon Holland, the rookie with his second pick of the year. And he read Cam Newton all the way. We just showed the defensive graphic during this hot streak for Miami. And on a key play, it's a Dolphin takeaway. On offense now in Miami, tied. You heard him there say at tie game, 7-all with 12.55 to play in the second quarter. The Panthers faced a third and five from the minus 40. More great anticipation and ball skills here. Javon is in a too-high shell, and the Panthers run trips to his side. Robbie Anderson runs a corner out. Javon anticipates it, doesn't take the cheese at the post, comes right underneath it and makes the diving catch. We saw it all camp long, and it translated into success in the regular season from Javon Holland. What a rookie season from number eight. Cannot wait to see what he does for an encore in his second season. Let's take our last break here and come back on the other side of the break and talk about the linebackers at the Senior Bowl. Travis Wingfield Drive Time Podcast brought to you by AutoNation. We are presented by AutoNation here, the Drive Time Podcast. Travis Wingfield with you guys here. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with the remainder of the front seven preview in the Senior Bowl. Taking a look at the linebackers and we start here with the national squad Starting with Terrell Bernard from Baylor, just six foot one, two hundred and twenty-two pounds, but he makes up for it with the way he flies all over the football field. He looks fast on a fast Dave Aranda Baylor defense. He can maintain acceleration as he wades his way through traffic. Great closing speed and the ability to flip and run with backs and tight ends and coverage. Might be a sub-package linebacker at the next level. Darian Beavers from the Cincinnati Bearcats. Pretty impressive high school resume heading into college. 4.0 student, wide receiver slash safety in football, basketball and track letterman, the key cog in the middle of the Bearcat defense. Everything is sound with him. Tackling, spatial awareness and coverage, aggressiveness and keys reading the impact of the run game and how to beat the blocks from there. He's a Mike Sam type, but has also played some will as well. Interchangeable to a scheme and potential core special teamer. Love his game quite a bit. Mike Rose at Iowa State. You want to set your edge? Go get a Mike Rose. Koa Misi type. A true strong side backer. Stacks up and sheds blocks for breakfast. He invites that contact in everything he does. Something of a throwback. Maybe put a neck roll on that guy. 
Jesse Lukita from Penn State University. Continuing this trend of linebacker U, Lakita comes from the Great White North where he developed big, heavy hands with impressive overall length to help him use those hands to his advantage. He's patient finding his spots against the run and then has the heavy-handed punch to help him disrupt blocking angles and get into gaps. Devin Lloyd from Utah, the bell of the bull. He's going to be the top linebacker off the board. At least that's the consensus out there in the draft community, and I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who disagrees with that. Three-down player, rush, coverage, run game, ball hawk. He, the ball just finds this guy. He plays incredibly fast, smart, physical. There aren't enough superlatives to nail down the type of prospect this guy is. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who said that he should go as high as Devin White went to the Buccaneers number five overall a couple years back. Sterling Weatherford from Miami, Ohio. He might be better to mention tomorrow at the safeties, and, or on Monday, I should say, with the defensive backs. At 215, I can't imagine he plays linebacker at the next level, but I'm not familiar with his game, so I can't say. Chad Muma from Wyoming. One of the most instinctive players in this entire draft. Remember Logan Wilson a couple years ago? He kind of made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl, now a big-time player for the Bengals. This guy might be the same. Same college, same idea, same makeup. Fantastic tackler, quarterback of the defense, making all the calls and checks, terrific in coverage, zone, man. He could probably step on the field as a rookie and be your primary sub linebacker, but his ceiling is far higher than that. He's an impressive prospect. Brian Asamoah II from Oklahoma, aggressive, athletic player that wants to arrive with the big collision and make the game-changing play, and sometimes he did. High energy, quick twitch, signal caller at the mic position. And then Troy Anderson from Montana State rounding out the national squad. This guy's done everything on a football field. This will be my first look, but when he was a big sky player of the year back in 2017 as a running back and linebacker, he entered college as a quarterback, played running back, went to fullback, and finally settled down at linebacker. The American team, DeMarco Jackson from App State, another guy I'm not familiar with, but he's six foot one, 230, and from everything I read, sounds like he's a downhill thumper at App State, but at 230, we'll see if that translates. Jeremiah Moon from Florida, hybrid edge slash outside linebacker type. He played a lot of stand-up outside backer and odd fronts for the Gators. Typically, he wins with quickness and length. Quay Walker from Georgia. I've been a big fan of his game for a while now. Mentioned him a handful of times in the podcast. The length, the shock that blockers feel when he hits his punch initially, the flow to the football. He's got a real good wiggle to him to sidestep blocks when he's not playing through them with physicality. I think you can play him in any scheme. Ask him to fulfill a variety of jobs and he'll do each of them with a smile. Speaking of his teammates there at Georgia, there's a bunch of them. Channing Tindall, another linebacker. Again, one of my favorite plays of the national championship was when he and N'Kobe Dean had a mix-up in coverage. Dean chews him out, and then Tindall explodes through the line on the next play for a tackle for loss. Love the way he responded to that. He's also going to attest insanely well. I've read about a 40-inch vertical from this guy. Fluid mover, short area explosion, and he runs right through his tackles. Damon Clark from LSU. He wore number 18 at LSU. That's given to the, the Tiger, who shows the high character on and off the field. I think it was Caleb Von Chason and, and uh, uh, Justin, not Justin Jefferson, Caleb Von Chason wore it. A bunch of really high character guys from the LSU Tigers wore it. He starts... He does everything. He was the ignition there. 100 tackles, five sacks, superb athlete, temperament to match his sideline-to-sideline skill set. JoJo Doman from Nebraska, speed, quick processing. These are Doman's traits that he can really bank on. Great reactionary skills. Former safety who moved down to give him that plus athletic mold at the linebacker position, and he showed a penchant for playing both man and zone coverage. And we finish up here with Aaron Hansford from AM, superb athlete who played at 230 and overwhelmed opponents with his speed and instincts to anticipate. 
those instincts and overall impressive dis- discipline suggest that this is a super smart and very coachable player. All right, that's it. We have the defensive backs to get to and the specialists on the next edition of Drive Time. We'll also have you guys updated on the head coaching search and who it might be, and we'll have plenty of content for you on that when it happens. Some last notes here. I'm halfway through season three on Succession, and I talked to you guys about how I was hoping Kendall would kind of make retribution. Spoilers here. Big time spoilers. Retribution for the end of season one. I was happy to see that he did that. I'm also happy to see him and Greg working together. My two favorite characters are the ones kind of coming up roses so far halfway through season three. Also highly recommend Aziz Ansari's special on Netflix. Really good social commentary there. And then Wiffle Blast this weekend. If you're trying to catch some Wiffle Ball, come out to Parkland. We're going to have the 30-team tournament. OJ McDuffie, the JT Foundation, the whole squad's going to be there. Lots of fun to be had. I'll have updates for that on the Monday podcast. And that's going to be my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL, Instagram as well, and the Miami Dolphins, wherever they're on social, at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ and myself coming up on this next Tuesday edition. Also, Dolphins today. We should have an episode out for you guys sometime today in the afternoon. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy is coming home.